Welcome to In the Making. I'm Selena, and today we're actually going to be talking about the topic knowing God and knowing self. Before we get into all the details that deal with that, I do just want to introduce my two guests. I'm I'm super excited actually to talk about this topic, and I'm excited to have both Eric and Carolyn with me. Um, so Eric, I'll start with Eric. Um, I I met him first, so I'm going to start with him first. And um, so actually, the first time I met Eric was at a conference years ago. I think I was new staff. Um, and my first impression of him was like, he must be a good person because he's lived overseas for a really long time. Um, that was just like the only thing I knew about him. Um, and so he's been, he has worked overseas since two, the 2000s, early 2000s, since 2000. And um, he is somebody who comes across off as, as like a, a recent and modern Fred Rogers. I don't know. Have you heard that before, Eric? It's the highest of compliments. <laughs> I think so too. He was a he was a wonderful, incredible human person. Being. Yes, yeah. I cried in the documentary <laughs> on him um, as well. Like it was just so good. Yeah. And then there was the other movie on him. Anyways, people should watch those movies and, <laughs> and learn about Fred Rogers and maybe a little bit of who you are like as well. Mm. Um, and you graduated. You have a degree in spiritual formation, which is pretty cool. Um, and. Uh, I think we were talking earlier how you are a fellow human being, <laughs> um, which is which is great. And then we have Carolyn, who I met also at a conference, actually. Um, and I I remember connecting with you when you were speaking on stage, and you said that your enneagram was seven, and that it's not an excuse to sin. And I just thought, <laughs> yes, I agree with that. I am also an enneagram seven, and. Um, it is not an excuse to sin and, and, and be indulgent. Um, and uh, I think everything that you said at that conference, I was like, this woman is is like amazing. Everything she's saying is pure gold. And um, what's really cool is you're American. You live in Washington State. Um, but you actually did also get a degree in spiritual um, theology, was it? That's it. Yes, spiritual theology, and um, but you did it in Vancouver at Re Regent, which is pretty cool. So you have some understanding and knowledge of Canadianness, um, and uh, and we we were talking a bit earlier about just fun things. Actually, I kind of want the two of you to share about fun things that you've experienced in your life. I really like fun things. I think it's partially because I'm an Enneagram Seven. So Carolyn, you were sharing about your 65th birthday and what that was like. Would you like to share that? I did. On my my 65th birthday, I got my first tattoo. And uh, I always told my kids, don't get a tattoo because when you're old and wrinkled, it might look funny and you might not like what it says. And But on my 65th birthday, I thought, well, I'm already old and I'm not going to change my mind. So I got my first tattoo. And I marched in a demonstration, not my first. And I ate two hot fudge sundaes. Not in the same sitting. I did feel a little sick afterwards, but, you know, it was my birthday. You're allowed to indulge on your birthday and do all those things. It's pretty cool. What was the first um, march that you were a part of? Um, I was in a march in my, my, uh, senior, my last year in university, my first year in university at the University of California. And we were marching in um, uh, about regarding civil rights and um, the Vietnam War. 
So, yes, I am that old. <laughs> I actually have a great picture of myself with myself and my friend Jenny and 14 policemen in full riot gear. Oh, wow. That's actually really cool. <laughs> I have nothing like that in my life. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And Eric, you, you did something pretty fun recently. Um, yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm not a seven. And so oftentimes I, I think of fun things to do, but then I think about it and think about it and think about it. And then I'm kind of content and I don't actually have to go out and do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but this time, you know, I was uh, I uh, had extra time in like I had ex- extra holiday that I hadn't. Uh, uh, my original plan had got disrupted because of because of the virus. And uh, so I found myself with all of a sudden an extra week. And uh, I had been thinking about doing doing some like a, an extended multi-day bike bike trip and had been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thought that I was done and content. But because I had this extra space, I said, well, why don't I go for it? And uh, there was something I, I really appreciate the sevens now, I think, more to actually dream about something and then just go and do it was so much fun. You know, the physical challenge combined with the natural beauty and and just having space alone with my own heart and with God and then encountering the most amazing people along the way. Um, really uh, um, uh, a real highlight of my year for sure. Oh, wow. Mm. A highlight of your year. Mm. That's amazing that it just happened not too long ago as well. Yeah. Uh, it's probably like helpful for people to know that you do live in Thailand. Yes. As- yeah. Yes. So that was, uh, it was up through a bike trip up to Northern Thailand. Um, And how long have you lived there for? I've just lived here for just over uh, a year and a half. Um, But I've lived in Asia for the better part of 20 years. So, Yeah, that's amazing. Asia is also a beautiful place, full, in my mind, full of adventure. Mm-hmm. Lots of adventures to go on um, and mountains and things to climb. I love climbing mountains myself. It, it brings me a lot of joy and definitely connects me to God as well. Um, but anyways, we should probably talk about the topic that we are here to talk about, which is knowing God and knowing self. And this is a topic that I think as I have grown in my life and in my walk with God, I've really seen to be interconnected together, that that knowing God helps us know ourselves and that there is a piece there about knowing ourselves that actually reveals something of who God is. Um, and I, I think I see it most in myself when I'm, I'm looking down on myself. Um, and I do that quite often where I'm, I'm quite harsh with myself. And I realize that when I'm doing that, I, I'm actually communicating something about God as well, that maybe he made a mistake, that it's not just, I'm not just creating these ideas or beliefs about me, um, but there's something there that's pointing in, in the direction of who God is and who God is to me. Um, and so I've really come to see that those ideas are, are interconnected. And, um, you know, I read lots of different books. Uh, from, I think my child requires me to read lots of different books. And so I did come across this uh, quote from John Calvin, where John Calvin says, in the Institutes of Christian Religion, there's no deep knowing of God apart from deep knowing of self, and no deep knowing of self apart from a deep knowing of God. Um, and he talks about how wisdom consists in knowing God and knowing self. And as we think about this idea of 
becoming more and more the people who God has actually made us to be. I think that the key really is in knowing God since we are created in his image, but also knowing ourselves as well. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you questions about this and how you've seen this work out in your life, how God has kind of formulated you and helped you to know him deeper, but also know yourself and how that connection kind of exists. And so how does knowing God help us understand ourselves? How have you experienced that in your own life? Actually, this has been really rich for me just over the past, um, you know, few days as I've been just thinking through this, this, uh, this idea again, afresh. And, uh, it really, I mean, it, it is, as you just described, Selena, it's like, it's a, it's, these are really kind of left foot, right foot. Like they, they're designed to the knowledge of God and knowledge of self are designed, um, to work together. Um, and, uh, it really is kind of describing relationship in a way. Um, uh, we talk about a relationship with God, but it's, it's so easy for us to think primarily about God and almost forget, forget ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, when, when I think about, uh, you know, the question of how do we know God? Like we, we think a lot about, um, who, who am I praying to, you know, who, who am I worshiping? What is, what is he like? Um, and, and I think, I think for the most part, the church, uh, in this day is pretty good at this. We are really good at, at, uh, at, uh, focusing our attention. And like, I, I think of, I think of, uh, Tozer's has a really beautiful chapter that he's written where he says, we, we, why we must think of God rightly and how, you know, what we, what we think of when when we think about God, what comes into our minds and hearts in that moment is the most important thing about us. And that is, that is so true. If God is an intimidating figure, um, if I go to worship and to pray, that will affect my posture before him. It will affect the kinds of things I'm going to want to disclose to him, that it's going to affect the way that I approach him. Um, but if he's kind and generous, um, slow to anger, abounding in love, wow, what a difference that makes. Um, for, for me, as I come before him, um, am I safe? Is God safe? Can, can I be myself with him? Um, and so, um, the, the other side of that and knowing God, you know, how does that help us understand ourselves? Like, it's really the other question. Like if we've talked about the question of like, who, who is, who am I worshiping? Who am I praying to? Well, the, the, the flip side of that is, is who is coming to worship? Who, who is coming to pray? How did I get here? Um, wh- why have I come? What do I desire as I come? Um, and if I, if I don't understand that part of me as I come to him, uh, it can really be a one-sided relationship um, where I'm focusing primarily on who he is, but, but I, I kind of get left behind. And uh, there can be some intention in that, actually. Like, it, it might be easier for me to leave myself behind and just focus on him than it is to really bring who I truly am before him. Actually, I think Paul was very good at this. Uh, like, I think, I think of Romans 7, where it's like, he, he's so frustrated with who he is. You know, like, I do what I don't want to do, and the things that I, what I want to do, I can't do, and who will rescue me from this body of death? Like, he brings himself very really before God and before, before uh, the people he's writing to. And I think he can do that because he has, he has encountered God 
as gracious, as loving, as uh, who has an unconditional regard for him, that whatever he brings before before him, he is he is he is received as a son. Uh, but it's it's interesting because it's not he Paul doesn't even just focus on kind of oh woe is me and my you know his his the depth of his sin and his depravity, but his dignity. You know he he also comes before God as. Uh, boldly, you know, confidence as an apostle, confidence as no one who owns his call, um, you know, his, comes with thanksgiving, you know, that God considered him faithful and put him into service. So there's this, there's this, there's this two sides of the knowledge of self that comes out uh, when we're truly uh, before God, like uh, um, this dignity, but also our depravity. Everything that's in us uh, can come, can come, uh, can um, can come before Him. When we understand who He is, we understand we who we are. You know, He's the one who told us who we are. He's the one who said we were made in His image, um, that we we're His. And uh, honestly, we're constantly searching for ways to define ourselves, earn a, earn approval from someone else, feel comfortable with myself, or even despite like uh, despair of those goals. Um, until we truly find our rest in him, where we can find a place where we know we're loved, we know we're held and we're approved, we're welcome as we are. But honestly, if I, if I can't see and really understand that God is someone who receives me um, in that way, it's just too scary. Both my, mm-hmm. both my depravity and my dignity are too scary for me to actually get near. Um, you know, when I look at how sin has, has, has twisted my heart and turned my heart in on itself, like, I don't want to look at how bad that gets. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's, it's too intimidating. And even, you know, my heart, if I start to go there and I start to really dig into, into the corruption of my heart, uh, it gets too intimidating. It's too, it's too much. My, I, I will start, you know, Things even, my heart will start to distract itself. I'll start to think of other things I want to do. I'll start to think of other, you know, ways to kind of get away from that painful self-awareness. It's only if I know that I'm loved that it's okay for me to really come before him openly. If I know how inexhaustible his grace is, then I can dare to look that deep at, at, at what's going, truly going on in my heart. But the dignity is just as scary. Like, uh, this is difficult for me to accept. We're made a little lower than the angels. You know, he has crowned us with glory and honor. And for me, when I hear that, there's a weight of expectation. Like, I'm afraid I won't be able to live up to it. I'm going to be seen as a fraud. I'm going to be, it's too good to be true, and I'm not worthy of it. But it's only when I understand the generosity of God that I can dare understand and live into this dignity that he's given for me, that he sees me with. And uh, this was just, uh, I was sitting with, sitting, with, uh, sitting with someone just a couple days ago, and uh, it was just so beautiful as, as uh, he shared kind of a, a prayer for himself. Um, as, you know, we're kind of talking about this, and he, he said, you know, my prayer these days is like, God, grant me the grace to love myself as you love me. And, and to realize that that is, that is scary. For me to actually come to, to love myself 
with the, the degree, the vastness of God's love that he has for me. It's intimidating. Those are my thoughts. Carolyn. You know, Eric, I think that being really honest with yourself, as you were saying, demands a lot of courage. And it's so much easier to do when you have someone who's seeing you as you really are, but with this affection. Like, I have some friends who I know love me, and I can do whatever I do or what, whatever dumb thing I say or whatever I'm emoting about. I know that they are for me. And because of that, I can be really honest. I can bring who I am to them. And because of Jesus, I know how God loves me. I love the, in First John, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And I think that see what kind of love, when we see what kind of love he has for us, it helps us to be, have the freedom to be ruthlessly honest with ourselves. Yeah, I'm definitely connecting with the things that you're saying. I mean, Eric, in your, um, in your friend's prayer, that's actually been a prayer for me this year is, is God help me to see myself the way that you see me and to love myself the way that you love me? Um, because I did come to that conclusion of, oh, like I'm actually not worshiping God by belittling myself. Um, mm. And I even have friends who have told me, oh, I wish that you saw yourself the way that I truly see you. And there's something there that's like, I, I think I'm a pretty introspective person. And yet I have wrong thoughts about myself. I have wrong thoughts about God, but it's a knowing God and in growing in, in like a true recognition of who he has made me to be, that I can then worship him more fully and accept who he has made me to be as well, um, which is like a, a, a beautiful, beautiful thought. And I think often I've heard, you know, the Bible is actually about God. And I think that is true, that God has said some really important things about who he is, that he's revealed himself through his word. But the, the Bible also has a lot to say about who we are as well like god actually it's it is that relationship that you are talking about as well and um who we are in relation to him and carolyn as you're talking about um like love like if god calls us to love him with all of our our soul our heart our mind our strength there's something in love that demands authenticity from ourselves like we can only love people as much as we allow them to love us um, as well. And I, I, I think I'm growing in that mindset as well, that, that it does take this courage to love others and to bring your whole self to others, but like to bring your whole self to God as well and to be known and loved by him um, and to, to know him and to love him for who he truly is as well. I think we have things that we believe about God and about the world and about ourselves that we learned really early and that aren't true. And we spend a long time relating to that imaginary God uh, instead of the real one. And um, I remember when I was a kid, I brought home a report card that had all A's and one B. And my dad looked at that report card and said, what happened here? Because he was wondering, why did I get a B? He, and in some ways, I for years, God's voice to me was, what happened here, Carolyn? 
I was hearing that same voice, and that's how I wanted to relate to God. I wanted to bring home all A's. So if we can begin to uncover what we believe about God about our, and about ourselves and where that started, how we came to believe that, then we can, we can trust Him and we can trust ourselves with Him. Yeah. You, you kind of mentioned that, that, that there is like that disconnect sometimes between the information that we have about God and what we truly believe about God. So when we talk about knowing God and knowing self, what, what does that actually mean? I didn't give this question beforehand. <laughs> Sorry. That's a very big question, Selena. <laughs> is there any particular part of that that you want to flesh out, Selena? I'm just, I'm just thinking that it, knowing God is more than having information about right. him yeah. Um, yeah. or even knowing yourself. Like I might know, you know, what my Myers-Briggs is or my Enneagram number is, but that doesn't necessarily mm. mean I actually know myself. I've just put myself in categories. <laughs> and so, yeah, just what, what does it mean to truly know God or know yourself? I mean, you're touching on something really important where we use the word know in so many different contexts. And it's, uh, you know, you can say, I know this book, (laughs) you know, I can, I know what's going to be on the test, you know, like, I, like I know information. And then you can say, I know a person and it though, even the, the usage of that word is so different. Um, like even if there's things that we believe about God, you know, theological truths, which are, which can be kind of an intellectual ascent. You know, I just, I believe this is true, just like I believe that, you know, gravity is a thing, you know, like, um, but I can, it can, but we can, we can believe stuff without personal experience. So it's not a, it's not a true understanding on a, on a heart level, emotional level. Um, um, like, like you say, do I believe that God loves me? Um, or, or I believe that God loves me, or do I know that God loves me? It's kind of like, do I, do I, do I believe my mom loves me? You know, and, and how, how do I know? Is it, do, do I believe my mom loves me? Do I know my mom loves me because she told me? Or is it because of the delight that I see in her eyes when she looks at me? Or is it because she she doesn't want me to leave, even though, even though she knows I'm coming back, you know, she doesn't want me, she just wants to be with me. Or do I know she loves me because I see all of the effort that she puts into like a simple gift. Um, or she makes that hot fudge Sunday that Carolyn was talking about <laughs> just so that she can see the smile on my face, you know, like I, like I know she loves me because of those things. But those are not things that she can write down or that she can even communicate verbally. Yeah, it, it's it seems like it. The knowing is, it's more than intellectual. It's an experience in what you're trying mm-hmm. to say. Like there's an experiential part of of knowing God and knowing the self. Um, yeah. And as as you grow in those experiences, you connect to those truths that you know in your mind to your whole self. Mm-hmm. And so my next question is, how does growing in self-awareness help us know God? We kind of touched a little bit about that, but was there more that you'd like to share? 
There is something maybe that I could add here. Um, I was thinking about like understanding who I am, like just in the, in the, in a similar sense that, uh, um, when I understand that who God is, then it allows me to actually be, as Carolyn said, to be ruthlessly honest before him and before myself about who I truly am. Um, but understanding then who I truly am, like tells me something more about God. Um, it like the, it's like understanding and understanding the kind of person that God loves tells me more about the extent and the nature of that love. And then therefore of God. Um, if, uh, if we were to go back to kind of the, the, the parent analogy, kind of the mom who loves a, a respectful, polite, straight A child, that's, that's a kind of love, but that's, that's a love that's rewarded. Um, the mom who loves a child with Down syndrome is that's a love with sacrifice. Um, the mom who loves a child who steals from a wallet to, feel, to feed a drug addiction, that's love with deep pain. And the more that I understand myself, you know, am I the, am I the kid who gets the straight A's? Sometimes. Um, am I the kid who, you know, is handicapped and in some way just can't perform? Sometimes am I the kid who's deeply, you know, uh, is, is uh, betraying, betraying the father in some ways? Yeah, there's times where I'm like that as well. And each of those times, if I, if I understand that, that he still welcomes me, he still waits on the porch for me to come home, you know, these are different dimensions of his love that are revealed as I come to understand what's deeply going on in me. Any relationship, I think, as Eric said, can only go as deep as you're willing to go yourself. It's true in any relationship, any friendship. If you're withholding yourself, the relationship doesn't go very deep. If you don't know what you're bringing to the relationship, it doesn't go very deep. And it's true with relationship with God. uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who was a great lover of God, he would ask this question all the time. I think it's a good one. He would say... Who art thou, O oh God, and who am I? That is a really good question <laughs> to be asking. And I'm sure many of us are asking that question. I think I'm still asking that question in many ways in my life as well. Yeah. And just as you share, I, I do think of, you know, here's a God who who knows us and formed us and like knitted us together in our mother's womb. And in the in, intention and purpose in how he created us, um, he did create us to, sh- to reveal who he is to others. Um, and I do sometimes wonder, what is it in me that actually does reveal something about God, both in maybe, as Eric was saying too, in my dignity and in my depravity, that they're, that they're like even in my depravity, it says something about who God is. Like he is different than me. That's what it kind of says. And then in my dignity that I'm like him in some ways. Um, even as you look at like all cultures and all people, we see um, God's creativity and his um, His diversity as well and his beauty. And I, I, and I like to think about those things because they're, they're nice things to think about <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> um, 
I do want to hear your personal stories of how you have actually seen uh, this connection in your life of God and self. And so would you mind just sharing a bit of your story of how you have grown in understanding this connection of God and self in your life? Well, I've been at this for over 50 years. (laughs) So one of the things I have seen over and over again that's essential This double knowledge is essential when it comes to making good decisions about our life. And I experienced this a few years ago when I was trying to make a big decision about my life and what I was going to do. And I wrestled with it every day. It was one of those things, one day I'm going to do this. And then the next day I'm going to do this other thing. I could not decide. And I discovered that what was keeping me from knowing what to do were things I believed about myself. And when I faced up to those things, and when I could hear God speak into those things about me, then the decision became obvious. It had been obvious all along to the people around me, to my husband and my friends, but I couldn't see it because it was not about these objective two choices. It was about what is going on in me? What do I need? What am I looking for? What am I afraid of? And I talk to people all the time in vocational counseling who are thinking about what to do in their lives. And these are the questions they always need to answer. What is God like and what's he up to? And how has he made me to be part of that? What do I love? What do I hate? What am I afraid of? Those are the questions that help us to get to the kind of life we really want to lead. Yeah, that's, those are so great questions. Good questions to be asking ourselves as, as to even grow in our knowledge of self. Yeah, that's amazing. Eric, what about you? Where have you seen that connection? I can, I can kind of maybe reflect a bit on my own journey, like in, in growth in, in this dual knowledge. Because I think I started out my my walk with God, very focused on knowledge of God and almost trying to escape the knowledge of self. Mm. Um, if I was really honest with myself, um, I, I remember as you know, in the first few years of walking with God, I, I had a, I had a chart in my Bible that had the list of the attributes of God and Bible verses underneath it that that would explain, you know, his sovereignty or his love or his, his, uh, his omnipresence. And I, I would reflect on the, I would go and I would, I would every day I would go through one of these and just remind myself. And, uh, and, uh, when I would encounter difficulties, I, I would go to back to those things and I would look those up again. This is like when hard times come, I would, I would go back and look up, look up on the sovereignty of God. Um, and I would, you know, I, if I was feeling lonely, I would go and look up on how he's always with me and I would look these verses up and I would kind of remind my soul. And I am looking back, I'm so glad that I did that because it, it was so grounding for me at the time as a, as a young believer, it was so grounding, but there was also a problem with that. And that was, um, I think that if I believed, um, that he is always with me, then I wouldn't feel lonely. 
Mm. Or if I, be- if I truly believe that God is sovereign, then I wouldn't feel afraid amidst difficulties. And then the problem is not that God isn't sovereign or he's not always with me. The problem is I don't have enough faith. And that's why I'm experiencing fear. That's why I'm experiencing loneliness. And so I would, I would go, I would pray and fast and I would, God, give me more faith so that I can kind of overcome kind of the uncomfortable emotions that I'm experiencing. Um, and, you know, even my confession and you're, you're, you, you bring light to this, Selena, where you're, I think your, your, your question earlier, where you're talking about what really is knowing, you know, God and knowing self. Uh, like I, I think I had a very superficial knowing of myself when I would kind of kind of come and I would confess, you know, my need for affirmation because I kind of fear what people think of me and I get fear letting them down or my need for companionship, uh, need for control or need to be right. Like I, I could go and list these sins before God and say, you know, here they are. Uh, but but again, I wasn't really willing to sit in those and understand where their tentacles had had reached in my heart. And I was much more, I was, I I could say, um, probably in the midst of that confession, I was hoping that if I confessed it, God would kind of amputate it, take it away, and it would never affect me again. And I could kind of leave myself and my uncomfortable emotions, um, which I would, you know, if, if these kind of make me feel unworthy and shameful. You know, I'm, I'm afraid amidst, amidst uh, changing circumstances. I'm, I'm lonely when people come and go out of my life. And, and uh, I'm like, if I was really a mature believer, I wouldn't feel those. Um, so I wanted to detach from this uncomfortable like, experience of myself and go and be with Jesus. Um, um, so I kind of wanted a quick fix. I wanted the amputation. I wanted to get the pain over with and uh, just kind of you know, get on to the kind of live in the clouds, if you would. <laughs> I didn't want to understand where these deep emotions were coming from. I didn't want to look at the deep insecurities that fueled my need for affirmation. I didn't want to look at the dark emptiness and hopelessness in that lurked even beneath that. You know, that was intimidating for me to, to me to think about. Like, if I feel, wait a minute, like Jesus lives in me. Like, why do I experience so much emptiness? that was too scary, too heavy for me to look at. So I would just want to kind of pray for this amputation and, and go up into the clouds where I could be with Jesus. But of course, like I hit, as uh, Carolyn just said, you know, the, the, the amount that I'm willing to go with myself is only the amount that I can go with God. And so I start to hit a wall with my relationship with God. The verses I used to go to are not encouraging me anymore. In fact, they're kind of poking now because it's like, Yes, those I know those are true, but they're they're they it's it's almost like rubbing my face in the fact that I'm not experiencing that. And so these verses are all of a sudden almost offensive. They're 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 becoming very troublesome for me. Um, and I'm starting to harbor doubts and frustrations. But again, doubts and frustrations kind of feel unspiritual and mature, and so I want to swallow those. And uh and uh, like, like many people do, you know, I just got busy with ministry to kind of distract from this deep question. Um, I worked hard, I did a good job, and kind of even if I had felt this deep dissatisfaction within me, um, 
at least I'm doing a good, good job for the kingdom. And, uh, um, and even if I really have these deep questions about whether God cares for me or not. Um, and then I remember, I remember I was planning something or I was sitting at my desk trying to finish a bunch of stuff before the end of the day and just hammering away, just oh, if I can just work for another half an hour and get this done. And then it was, it was clear as day. It was like, it was like the spirit put his hand on my shoulder and said, would you like some help with this? And my honest response was, you know what? Can't you see I'm busy? Take a number. And so I just told God to take a number. And you know what? wasn't you know wasn't even ready to 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 handle what that meant and like what what was what's going on with my relationship with him that I'm being so standoffish with him. Shortly after that, I took a I took a retreat um, on Vancouver Island. I had several days in a cabin by myself and. I was so looking forward to getting away from the pressure of ministry because I had all this stress. I had kind of, I had, I had blamed it all on the ministry and blamed it on people's expectations of me. And I was just so glad to get away. But of course, as soon as I got there, um, you know, I just had to wrestle with myself and wrestle with, with God who hadn't gone away. Um, and uh, wrestling with my sense of, you know, what is it? What's this? What's the sin in my life that I have to get rid of? What's the idol that I haven't laid down? What's the thing that's that's standing in the way? And um, here I am probably confessing these idols again and and uh, hoping this time I meant it enough that God would finally amputate it. And if I just mean it enough, if I just believe it enough, he would finally take it away. And uh as I, as I was praying this, I, I was thumbing through this, this book that I found in this house. And I uh, had some, you know, some thoughts by Luther, actually. And uh, talked about, you know, kind of what is, what, is the, what is the great transgression? What's the, great, what's the deepest sin in, in, in a person's heart? And I thought, okay, this is good. If I can only find out what the deepest sin is, then I can, then I can finally confess it and finally get over this. And... Uh, and uh, so he talked about how Luther said, you know, the, the deepest sin, the most serious sin isn't murder, isn't adultery, isn't blasphemy, isn't unbelief. You know, yet, you know, he says, if the greatest commandment was to love God with your heart, soul, mind and strength, then to fail to do that would be the greatest transgression. And in that moment, as I read those words, I could I, I, I just had so much despair because I thought after walking with God for 15 years, after being in ministry for 10 years at the time, after all, all the things that I've experienced, if I haven't learned to love God by now, like it's hopeless. And that's when I really, I think, I went from kind of understanding about my sin and about where I fall short to really knowing mm. my sin. and. And a, and a deep kind of, in a, one of my kind of Paul moments where he says, you know, I am the worst of sinners. Like, this is one of the moments in my life where I just felt it's hopeless for me. And Jesus is so, so kind. You know, he says, just whispers in my ear, like, well, this is why I've forgiven you. And then kind of like, oh, wow, like, then I under, both understand myself, but understand what kind of love accepts someone like me who pushes him away, who, 
who isn't ready or not sure how to even love him back. Um, and it's before I would have known the theological truth of like that he is slow to anger, abounding in love. Like as far as the East is from the West, you know, like these theological truths I would have memorized so word perfectly. But in those moments, I knew them to be true. Um, but it, I had to come to a place where I could see myself more clearly before I could appreciate the depth and the richness of what those things held. It's almost like God didn't want to amputate those parts of my life. He, he wanted to redeem them. He wanted to heal them. Um, as much as I wanted to throw them away, he wanted to work on it together. And, um, yeah. There's something, um, like comforting and hearing that it is this long process and long journey and that we don't instantaneously, as soon as we come to, to know God or commit our lives to him, that we're just, you know, perfect in our knowledge of mm -hmm. him and that there is room for us to grow both in knowledge of him himself and that God is really faithful just in your story of, of bringing us to that deeper and deeper knowledge of both of those things. And so um, I guess my next question is, what has helped you grow in your knowledge of God? When I first came to faith in Christ, it was my first year at university, and someone met with me and taught me some really simple things. They taught me how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to recognize and acknowledge my sin, and how to say yes to the Spirit. And those simple daily habits have been what have carried me through the next 50 years. And through that time, it wasn't necessarily big dramatic things that I learned every day, but um, Paul Miller says, the things you are doing are creating the person you are becoming. The things that you are doing are creating the person you are becoming. That's a pretty sobering statement. So establishing those habits of life, listening to God, paying attention to myself, they are the things that have brought me through life and have allowed, helped me to respond to the God who was teaching me about him and about myself. It's like they kept me on the path with Jesus. So that's been the helpful thing. Very simple daily habits. Yeah, I love that. I think that's true in my life too. Mm -hmm. Eric, what about you? What has helped you grow in your knowledge of God? I would echo what Carolyn said, these very simple habits, small wavelength, even small commitments. You know, sometimes they just take minutes a day. Um, um, the Maybe the only other thing I would add is just a, like a simple question, you know, that I could ask myself is just like, where, where did God show up today? Wh mm -hmm. What did I notice about what he's doing? And what does that teach me about who he is and uh, what he's doing in my life or in the lives of those around me? And again, those aren't usually going to be big dramatic things. Um, they might be very small. It might be a glance in, in the eye of, of someone who loved me. It might be um, the confidence that I knew he was with me. Very small sometimes, you know, unnoticeable, but taking a, a few moments just to, to recognize them and to have, have been, made a huge difference. 
Mm. And what has helped both of you grow in your knowledge of self? A few years ago, I learned to ask the question of myself and of God when I had a particular reaction or resistance or something cropped up, instead of saying, I shouldn't feel like this, I would say, tell me more about this. I would ask God, Lord, tell me more about this feeling, this reaction, this thought. And you don't always get the answer right away, but over time I began to understand. And that simple question has made a big difference. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's been a that's been a question that's been so helpful for me for me as well. Um, maybe the, the only other thing I would add is that uh, is to is to just kind of do as as we just talked about in the in the other question too, just do what we can, what we know to do today to follow follow Jesus and do it, you know, to 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 live out, you know, what we understand his will to be. And, but to do that with, with acknowledgement of what's going on in me, um, mm. you know, like there's, there's people, there's people around me who are hard to be with, right? We all have those people. And I know that I'm supposed to be patient and bear with one another in love. And, and if, if it's safe and I, and I know that no matter how that process of me bearing with them goes, like I can. I can try to bear with them and see how see what happens. Then it's kind of like a game. It's kind of an experiment. I can I can lean towards this person that that uh, that I find that I find difficult and uh, try to give care and compassion and see what happens. See what happens in in my heart. You know, do I do I resist or do I actually feel love and compassion for the person? Um, and then that's my mirror. That's that's my opportunity to see myself as I am when I enter into relationship and enter into this process of following God. Um, I get to see what I really look like. Um, sometimes when I succeed, and sometimes when I fail at at uh, at, at living out the will of God. Um, but the the good news is, if if it's if it, there really is no condemnation for those in Christ. Then I can I can I can give it a shot and see what happens. And then I see, oh gosh, you know, I don't have very much love in my heart um, for this person. Or I, I find this part about them intimidating. And I, you know, I'm afraid about my own performance, afraid about what I can do. And I kind of back, I back off and maybe I choose not to love them. I choose to hold back on something that they need, maybe even see them kind of suffocate a little bit. Um, but that's you know, my own, my own fear that I'm not going to perform well. Um, yeah. So again, maybe just to, to wrap, to put that into a sentence or something like that, it would be to do what, what I know to do to follow the will of God and then to see what happens in my heart. Mm. How do I respond? Do I, do I actually have love in my heart or do I have something else? And either way I can still come, to Jesus. Yeah. One other thought that I actually had on, on this and both knowing God and knowing self is how important having people who know you also remind you of who God is and of who you are. 
I think that's been like a huge piece in my own life where I've, I've needed mentors, um, friends, um, even people who might not know me super, super well, but who can see aspects of me that maybe even my friends are too blind to call out or to see sometimes, um, to help me grow, uh, coworkers, companions, whatever, just people in life who really do help. Um, like Carolyn, you actually mentioned that there was people who taught you early on what it looked like for you to know God, um, to read your Bible and to pray. Like we do all those things in community. And, um, there is something there that I was just thinking about as you were both sharing that there are these like hints of other people being a part of the process in this, that we actually aren't alone in both our, our growing knowledge of God or our knowledge of self, um, but it's actually a journey where we have other people that God has placed in our lives to help us along the way as we help them to Carolyn looks like you're going to say something. (laughs) Sorry. And that is so essential, Selena. I, I have some trusted friends who remind me of that. When we moved back to the U S after living overseas, my husband had had a brain tumor. We had had to leave our friends and our work and, and everything behind and move to another country. And a group of my friends got together and sat me down and said, Carolyn, we're here to remind you of who you are. And we need those kind of voices who remind us of who we are and who God is. You are so right about that. Yeah, yeah I had another thought too. I'm, I'm reading Genesis right now um, with a few different people and Um, Genesis is like written by Moses and the context of Genesis is actually Moses telling people, telling the Israelites, this is who you are, um, where you've come from and where you are going. And it is based on who God is as well. And I've really seen just those ideas of knowing God and knowing self wrapped up in Genesis. That's maybe a little aside based on what I'm reading in the Bible right now and how um, I'm seeing how Moses wrote with intention to help the Israelites know who they are and who they are supposed to be as they move into um, the new land. And, um, and he's doing it by telling them who God is and reminding them that he is the one who created them and that he has been with them and with their forefathers and all this crazy stuff. And then God goes in the midst of the crazy things as well that happens in Genesis. It's a crazy book. Um, but the whole Bible to me is a bit crazy. There's so many weird stories in it, um, but it's real life. We, we, uh, real life is definitely weird. So, In studying the Bible and seeing how God works through history, you see that there's a story and it's a good story. And you can see how our little life is part of that story. That's why I got my tattoo. Beauty lies in the true story. So when I'm not sure of that, I can see this big story and how my life fits into it. Everybody should get that tattoo now. We'll all have (laughs) these matching tattoos on our forearms. (laughs) I'll wait till I'm 65, though. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to get to know God and it's hard to get to know the self. What What has made it difficult for you in knowing God and knowing and growing in your knowledge of yourself? For me, it's been really trusting in the love of God. I tend to believe that love means not letting any bad things ever happen. And so when bad things happen, it makes me doubt the love of God because I think, oh, my friends who love me would not have let that happen. So it makes me question whether God is really for me. 
that's when I need to know that bigger story. Yeah. Eric, what about for you? Yeah, I, I would say the very, it's the very same issue. It's, it's question whether, whether or not whatever comes up in my heart, will, will he, will he receive me? Um, it's, it's question, does he, does he, does he love me enough to really welcome all of me? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's connected to the same, the same question, same issues that Carolyn brings up. It's like when hard things happen, I think, I don't know, like, (laughs) is he, is he really for me? But I would say the same thing if I if I look back over the arc of what he's done in history and in my history, I'm just blown away. Like he he has he has shown himself over and over again uh, to be gentle, to be patient, to be kind. And um, if if I can remember and if others help me remember that, then then I feel you know, an ever-growing confidence that that uh, whatever state I am, I'm in, he will stand up, run to welcome me home. Mm. I I think it sounds like work, and <laughs> maybe not work that I always want to do. You know, um, that that's just what I was thinking as you guys were sharing, just how like it's so true. It's so easy to to just default to. Um, to not believing that God is loving and that he accepts me or that he is safe. Um, and that I'm not safe before his presence, it, that, that there's like a default mode maybe in believing some of the things that I, I believe for the majority of my life that um, are really in opposition to who God is and who he has made me to be. And so it feels like there's there's a bit of a battle in fighting um, for those truths in a person's lives and to, to even engage in that. I think it does take a bit of like intention and work. I think the work is in, is in the discipline of, of noticing and in the discipline of reflection that, that does, that's a, that is a muscle. That is a, that is a habit that we can develop. Mm-hmm. But once we've, once we've kind of got that habit going, it doesn't feel as much like work. Um, I mean, there's times when it feels heavy, for sure. Um, but and that is something. I, yeah, there, I think there is a discipline aspect of. I'm going to stop, give myself a few minutes to reflect, see what's going on in, in me, see what I noticed God doing, and uh, yeah. It sounds like though it is discipline to stop and reflect. There's something freeing once you have done it. Um, as well, because you're, you're coming to these conclusions and answers that actually allow you to just be and experience God and experience life. Yeah. And I grow more and more surprised at how it's, it's not the big, like, oh, I have to have a big, you know, our, our time alone with God in order to break through. Uh, it's oftentimes these small wavelengths of just, you know, just a minute it might just be a minute of like stopping, take a deep breath, say, God, what's happening around me? What's going on inside me? And uh, those are the t- those are the times when a lot of my heart is revealed. Um, and uh, it takes a lot less work than I <laughs> than I often expect. Yeah, that's true. God already knows us and 
and I think it is just coming before him and if, even if it is for a few minutes or something and just saying God search me and know me and then help me know <laughs> what you're doing here my last and final question is what do you want to leave with students who are listening Relating to what you just said, Eric, I think that noticing, paying attention is the critical thing. Mm-hmm. I, I have a son who's a math teacher, and um, when a student comes to him with a problem that they can't solve, he always says, did you do the steps? Because there are steps to solving a problem. And uh, when I am wrestling with something, or I'm unsettled, or I don't know what to do, I hear my son's voice saying, did you do the steps? And to me, the steps are paying attention first to God, what he's like and what he's done. And giving thanks is a great way to do that. Noticing what he's done, the good things he's done, and giving thanks. And then paying attention to myself. What's going on in me? What are those voices? What are the, what's happening in my heart? Where am I saying yes? Where am I saying no? And then listening to the word, paying attention to what God has said in his word, and then paying attention to my day. What has God given me to do today? What are those things that are right before me and entrusting them to God? So paying attention first to God, then to myself and my own heart, then to the word, and then to my my day, my my surroundings, my tasks. And I've found that if I do the steps, I end up at a different place than I started out. I can't I can't will myself to that ending point, but I need to do the steps. So I would say I would, this is what I would leave with you is when you're facing those questions and those wrestlings, do the steps and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I, I completely agree with that, Carolyn. Um, and it, uh, the the only other thing I would add to that is do the steps over time, like give 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 yourself years, mm-hmm. um, give yourself years. If if God is as patient as He says He is with us, He's given us a whole lifetime to work on this. Let's also give ourselves a whole lifetime to work on this. And uh, and I. I don't make as much progress as I hope to make in in a day or in a month or in a year. But as I look back over the last 10 years or 20 years, I'm amazed at how God has worked in my heart. And it's actually been faster probably than I would have thought, but not when I look at it from day to day. And God's always doing something. We may not notice it, but God is always doing something. And our part is to pay attention and to say yes. I do really love that, um, paying attention to God and recognizing the work that he is doing in our lives, paying attention to how we're responding to God, how we're responding to the world. And Eric, like you said, that the work that God does is over time as well. Like Though he is always working, it might not look like what I want it to be or how fast I want it to be, but it's still a very good work that he is doing in the moment to moment. Um, and, and I'm still being who he wants me to be moment to moment. Like he is, there's a, a participatory part on my part, I guess, where I'm, um, 
God is not surprised of where I am. He knows exactly where I am. Um, and he accepts me and is meeting me in those places where I am and leading me through. Yeah. I think you guys said it much better than I did. So <laughs> I'm glad that students uh, can hear from the two of you such a wealth of wisdom here and experience from both of you in just your relationship with God as well as with others and in ministry. Um, I wish everybody kind of knew you guys deeply, but hopefully this taste will help them in gaining some wisdom from the two of you uh, as well. So thank you so much for being a part of this and I, I do hope that um, it was fun for you and a blessing for you as well as it was for me. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Selena and Eric. Thanks so much, Selena. Every episode, we want to leave you with some questions to process what you've just heard. So here are the questions. What helps you draw closer to God? What intrigued you from what was shared? What put you off? What does it look like for you to pay attention to God? Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to the word and your surroundings. How do you give grace to yourself that it will take time? Thank you for listening into this episode. I hope that you join in next time as well. Goodbye. <laughs>